the great name of Jesus, as we're celebrating the names of Jesus that we see uh, predicted long ago in Isaiah of the coming Messiah. And today we're looking at Everlasting Father. Everlasting Father. Near the time of Jesus, we see the ruler Herod the Great. In fact, it was his son that was ruling at the time in which Jesus was born. But no doubt, Herod the Great, his shadow was cast over all of the land at this time and all of the decades around this time. And so when we think about Herod the Great, this ruler, we think certainly juxtaposed to who Jesus Christ would be, who he was the ruler of the day, and as we see today, an everlasting father. Herod the Great was a paranoid and suspicious ruler. Full of intrigue and betrayal was his life. And we see, although he was known for great building projects, many of the things that you'll see if you ever do watch a documentary or if you're ever so blessed as to take a trip to, to Israel and see some of the great works there, some of the great buildings and some of the great structures that still exist, much of that was built by Herod the Great. But again, his life was full of paranoia and suspicion, intrigue and betrayal. In fact, he executed his first wife and her previous sons. He also executed one of his own sons, Antipater II, which caused the, the Caesar Augustus, the ruler of Rome, to say it would be better to be that man's swine than his own son. It would be better to be the pig of Herod the Great than to be his own son. We see there again as the shadow of Herod was certainly cast over the people as he was a puppet ruler of the day. We know, of course, Rome was the ruling nation of the day, ruling over much of the known world. But they would go into some of these areas and they would allow puppet governments to still exist. And we see that was the case with Herod the Great ruling over the people of Israel for much of the time leading up to the birth of Jesus Christ. And so again, we see his great shadow cast over everything. And so for some of those who are now realizing that the the, the uh, prophecy of long ago, of which we'll focus on today in Isaiah chapter 9, was, was speaking of and was applied to this young child here. They had to think, everlasting Father, could this truly be? Could this child be the one, the Messiah that was spoken of long ago? And will he be a great ruler, kind, one who is, one, one who his rule extends in joy and kindness to his people? We think about our situation today. We think about our own lives. What's your most vivid memory of your father? Is it good? Is it bad? Do some of you even know your father? You know, as we talked about last night and kind of woven throughout this Christmas season, this can be a time of difficulty, certainly for many people as well. For all the joy and the hope that we see in this Christmas season, sometimes it brings to memory some of the hopelessness, some of the difficulty of life. And when we ask questions and when we think about Jesus Christ as fulfilling this role like an everlasting father, maybe even that word makes you cringe on the inside because you didn't know your father or a father who may have been present in physical form but in absent in every other way. You see, when we think about everlasting Father, Jesus, and ultimately God as our Father, we'll talk about the distinction here in just a few moments, but God isn't simply a bigger, stronger version, better version of our earthly Father. 
He is, in fact, the best version of a father. He is the standard bearer for every way that we as earthly fathers fall short, for every way that we earthly fathers can, can absolutely miss the mark. He is the exact opposite. He is the constant in all the ways that all earthly fathers have failed. And so when we see here in Isaiah chapter 9, Verses 6 through 7 again, our focal passage throughout this Christmas season has been this. For unto us a child is born. For unto us a son is given. And the government shall be upon his shoulders, and his name shall be called Wonderful Counselor, Mighty God, Everlasting Father, Prince of Peace. Of the increase of his government and of peace there will be no end. On the throne of David and over his kingdom to establish it and hold it with justice and righteousness from this time forth and forevermore. The zeal of the Lord will do this. Let's go to the Lord now in prayer. Mighty God, we come to you. And we cannot cease to thank you for sending your son Jesus. Jesus, we thank you for your willingness to step out of heaven into the creation which you spoke into existence and you uphold by your very faithfulness. Lord, as we come to you this morning on this Christmas day, we celebrate that salvation came to a world that so desperately needed it. Salvation to a world that could not provide that salvation for itself. But you, Lord God, in your grace unto us and a zeal for your glory, Lord, in your love for us, you tell us that you so loved the world that you sent your one and only Son, that whosoever believes in him shall not perish, but have eternal life. God, we celebrate today and thank you as we do celebrate the coming of that Son. In his name we pray. Amen. Amen. So as we look again at this third title that we see here in Isaiah 9, 6 through 7 of Everlasting Father, you must understand that Jesus is not taking the place. Jesus, the second person of the Trinity, God the Son, is not taking the place of God the Father. This isn't sort of a oneness movement or a modalism. If some of you have heard those terms of, 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 of false understandings of, of Scripture, it isn't saying that there is God who reveals himself in three different ways, in three different modes, and that Jesus is taking the place of the Father. Certainly not. We see that understanding of the Trinity that is beyond this side of heaven. We will not be able to completely wrap our mind around it, and that God is three in one. God the Father, God the Son, and God the Holy Spirit. And so when it talks about here that this Messiah that would come, we know fulfilled by Jesus Christ, God the Son, it's not saying that he is taking the role of the heavenly Father, but he is serving in his ways and the ways that he would come to his people to serve and lead his people would be like an everlasting Father. And certainly we see that Jesus Christ fulfilled and almost manifested some of those very characteristics that we see attributed to God the Father. And we'll talk about some of those later. But as we see here, 
it can be translated, this everlasting father could be translated as an adjective and a noun, just as we see here in most of our translations as an everlasting father. It can also be translated as a sentence. My father is eternal. Some translations, in fact, translate it as a genitive, meaning father of eternity. Probably best translation is everlasting father, but there's some capturing of all of that sense in the midst of what we see here. Everlasting. It means to into, into perpetuity and without end. We see that the reign and rule of Jesus Christ, he wasn't a temporary sacrifice for us. He wasn't just one that came to us never to be seen again. He, yes, he went to the cross ultimately. He died and he rose again and he ascended into heaven and he is now at the right hand of the Father. He is, his rule and his way has no beginning, has no end. He just is. And that's why we see in Scripture, in fact, in the life of Jesus Christ, as he says many times, he attributes those great statements of I am to myself. We see these especially highlighted in the book of John, where Jesus Christ says, as, as that was known, that phraseology, that terminology was known to the Hebrew people, uh, being attributed to great Yahweh himself, Jesus says, I am. I'm the eternally existent one. I'm the one who simply is. There is no beginning and no end of, of, of who I am or my work into perpetuity and without end. He's everlasting. He's immutable. He's unchanging. He can always be counted upon. Not only is he everlasting into perpetuity and without end, but he is also Father. Father, this term here speaks of almost a father of a great nation or a great family head, head of a family. And it speaks of this one who is like a great father, father of the nation or leading a family, would protect and provide for his family. Protect and provide. So not only do we see Herod the Great in recent memory of those that were seeing the fulfillment of the Messiah at the time of Jesus, but also at the writing of this by Isaiah, we see sitting upon the throne of the, of the nation of Israel being Ahaz, who was at, at, at best a terrible dictator. Certainly not a fatherly figure. So they are longing, even from the time in which this was written by Isaiah, for one that would truly be that everlasting fatherly figure, that head of a clan, that family head of a nation that would protect and provide for his people, care for his people sacrifice for his people and we see this greatly fulfilled in the person of jesus christ let's write this down jesus is an unwavering father who always cares and can always be trusted he's that father-like figure that one who is an everlasting, can always be counted on, unchanging. You can always count on him. When earthly fathers fail, and we all will, many of us have failed tremendously. When all earthly fathers fail, he is the one that can truly be counted on to provide and to protect. You know, the incredible thing about this too with Jesus Christ, he serves like that great fatherly figure to provide and to protect eternally, eternally. Not just with his life as he demonstrated, but ultimately with his death. 
We see with his death upon the cross, of course, as we celebrate this time, his coming to us. But roughly 30, 33, 35 years later, we see that he ultimately went to the cross. And so we provided and protected for his people, one who was uh, trusted, one who could always be counted on, always be that leader that, to, to provide and protect that family clan with, 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 with a servant leadership. He ultimately served us by going to the cross. Everlasting Father. You know, as we said before, again, it's not as though Jesus was taking the role of the heavenly Father, the first person of the Trinity, but he certainly demonstrated much of those same characteristics that we see attributed to God throughout Scripture. We see that Jesus Christ, when he came and as he even serves us today, he manifests many of those very characteristics and those roles that we see attributed, those father-like characteristics throughout Scripture. Think about this, one of my favorite scriptures speaking about the fatherly nature of our God. Psalm 68, 5 through 6 says this, Father of the fatherless and protector of widows is God in his holy habitation. God settles on the solitary in a home. He leads out the prisoner to prosperity, but the rebellious dwell in a parched land. Those that follow his will and his way, he protects and cares for them. And those that are downtrodden, those that are suffering in this world, he is a father to the fatherless. You know, some of you, again, as we talk about this title of Jesus Christ in this prophecy of the coming Messiah, and we talk about a father to the fatherless, for some of you that rings hollow and empty. You say, my father, he may have been there, he may have been present physically, but he was absent as can be. Or you might say, pastor, I didn't even have that. And so we look at the father to the fatherless. He is everything that we wish we had, everything that we know we should be as fathers. He is that caring, sacrificial father. He is the father to the fatherless. Not only this, but I love this passage again. This speaks of our heavenly father who reaches out to us uh, it, it, in our salvation, when we were destitute and when we were desperately in need of salvation, we were dead in our sins. And it speaks to God, our Father, it reaches to us. But again, these are the same sort of characteristics that we see in Jesus Christ. This attributed, of course, to our Heavenly Father, the first person of the Trinity. But nonetheless, Jesus manifests these same characteristics. Look in Luke chapter 15, verses 20 and 24, as we see, of course, the parable of the prodigal son. And it says this, that is he, this is the father. As the prodigal spent all of his time wasting his father's fortune on wild living, he comes back, he comes to the end of his rope, and he says, what am I going to do? And he says, I'll go back, I'll just try to fall at my father's feet, and hopefully they'll let me back to grovel like a servant. And, and we're expecting that, aren't we? We're expecting the father to come and to just sort of say, hey, kiss my ring, kiss my shoe, we'll put you in the barn, we'll do what we can, I'll provide for you, but that's it. That's it. That's what we're expecting. And deep down in our heart, don't we kind of wonder if we see if that would be us? But what did the father do? Anything but. In verse 20, it says, And he, the father, arose and came, or he came to his father, the son did. But while he was still a long way off, his father saw him and felt compassion and ran and embraced him and kissed him. He says, For this is my son. My son was dead and he is alive again. 
He was lost. And now he is found. He began to celebrate. You see, again, this picture speaks of us. When you look at the context of Luke chapter 15, this speaks to the person who does not know Christ as their Savior. This speaks of the person who was lost and destitute in their sins. And they were thinking, okay, maybe I can grovel at the feet of the Father. Maybe I can grovel at the feet of God, and He will somehow just allow me to slip in. Slip into His kingdom. Maybe if I do enough good things, I can earn it for myself, and I can just be allowed to slip in. But the Bible says, God, our Father, our Heavenly Father, is anything but. He says, no, what he does, in fact, when we come to that place of repentance, when we come to that place where we say, I've been doing things my own way, I've been living my life this way, but I'm going to turn away from this and I'm going to turn to you, I'm going to repent and believe in the Lord Jesus Christ as my Savior, God doesn't reluctantly welcome us in and say, okay, whatever, come on. He welcomes us with open arms. He says, you were lost, but now you've been found. You see, in much the same way, again, this speaks of the heavenly Father. But in the same way, Jesus manifests that as the Messiah. He manifests those characteristics of that loving heavenly Father as He is that everlasting, can always be counted on, Father of a great nation and a provider for that family clan. He provides and he cares for us. And when we think about this Jesus again as this heavenly father, we're not to think of him as again some sort of a better version, an upgrade of our father and all of the ways that he fell short, that he is an upgrade and he is something that's an improvement upon sometimes a significantly flawed father. No. All of the earthly representations of a father, sometimes significantly flawed, are simply shadows of the great everlasting father. He cares for us. And I love this as we think again about Jesus fulfilling that role of that one who provides and protects that one who can always be counted on, that one who is unwavering in his care for us. I love this. A pastor of New Covenant Bible Church, his name is David Sunday. How appropriate. I love when he talks about this as God, as our Father, and Jesus Christ as representing that everlasting fatherly nature in his coming as Messiah. He says this, Few words in any language evoke the kind of feelings we have when we hear the word Father. Some of us will feel a sense of loss this Christmas season, either because we had fathers who were wonderful but no longer with us, or because we have unfulfilled longings for the kind of father we never had. How comforting then to read of the birth of the child whose name shall be called Everlasting Father. Under his care, his protection, and his provision, we are safe and will be satisfied for all eternity. Once again, Jesus Christ is that unwavering, everlasting Father who can always, always be trusted. Will you trust Him with your life today? Let's pray. Lord God, as we think about in this Christmas season the coming of Jesus Christ, 
we think about he is the wonderful counselor, the mighty God. Next week, the Prince of Peace. And today, the Everlasting Father. Lord, he is the one who comes and he sacrifices. He provides for his people. And ultimately, Jesus, you provided for us in a way that we could never estimate. We could never thank you enough for the coming and giving of your life. God, as we think about the ultimate care that you provided for us, our salvation, I pray that if anyone is here today and does not know Jesus Christ as their Savior, may today be the day on Christmas Day when they give their life to him. And in Christ's name we pray. Amen.